Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Praise God. How many have the word? Say amen. I want to preach for a few moments this morning. Listen, if you got to go, I, I understand. It's 1148. Y'all nervous about the Baptist beating y'all to the restaurant. I bless you to leave right now, but I'm preaching the Bible this morning. I'm going to go for it. I want you to go to John chapter 1, verse 29. I'm going to preach a message for a few moments this morning called Don't Diss the Dove. Look at your neighbor, tell them, don't diss the dove. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but he that but that he being God the Father should be revealed, pardon me, Jesus, be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. This is all John speaking. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he being God the Father who sent me to baptize with water said to me, listen to this family, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Acts chapter 2, three verses you know very well. Acts chapter 2, many of you can quote it without turning there. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, cloven tongues like a fire set up on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. How many believe in speaking with tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance? Say amen. Lord, help me to preach today. Help them to receive it today. In Jesus' name, if you already believe God's up to something good, say amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Perhaps there are people here today who have come and you say, what does this mean that we are a part of a Pentecostal church? Why do we call ourselves Pentecostal? Why do we say we need another Pentecost? What does this mean that we are a Pentecostal church? I, I will tell you as I make my way into this this morning that the Pentecostal church used to be uh, a bunch of ragamuffin people on the outskirts of town that were relegated to some broke down building and everybody was trying to run them out of business, but that's changed. Pentecost is the fastest growing branch of Christianity. It is estimated that in the next 20 years, there will be over 1 billion Pentecostals on the face of the planet. Yeah, that's different than what you were told, what I was told. We were told they were barely making it up in the old days, but how many know the wind of the Spirit is sweeping across the nations of the earth again and the power of God is being poured out? So what does it mean to be Pentecostal? What does it mean when we say we're people of Pentecost? Well, the first thing I want you to understand is that when we mention Pentecost, Pentecost began as a feast. Pentecost did not start in Acts chapter 2. I read to you Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one mind and one accord. But that is not the first Pentecost. In fact, Pentecost was an Old Testament, one of the Old Testament Feast. There are seven feasts in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you will not find the word Pentecost because the word Pentecost is a Greek word. In the Old Testament, it was not called the Feast of Pentecost. It was called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And if you understand, and Devin has taught extensively about um, the feasts that, that of the Lord, they are, they are not the feast. Listen to me. Don't get mad at me. They are not the feast of the Jews. They are the feast of the Lord. 
And it's important that you understand the distinction and the difference in the two because these are things on God's heart, not necessarily the things on the heart of the people. Some people don't even practice Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost anymore, but the Feast of Pentecost had meaning. Thousands of years before Acts chapter two ever happened, the Feast of Weeks and the Feast or the Feast of Harvest, same thing, had already been going on. In fact, you can find this five, six times in the Old Testament in the Torah alone. It was in uh, the book of Exodus 23, Exodus 24, Leviticus 16, Numbers 28, Deuteronomy 16. All of these mention the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. And this is the first, Pentecost is the first Feast of Harvest where the first harvest that the Palestinian agricultural community began to reap. And so they would take a portion of their harvest back to the priest. The priest would lift up two loaves of bread and wave them before God. And the, and, the, and, the, and the act of waving bread in the old covenant was, I mean, it might have looked different to those who were seeing it happen, but really what it was was a prophetic announcement of what would come when one priest, namely Jesus, would come and take two loaves, namely the Gentiles and the Jews, and he would wave them both before God saying that we are one loaf in Christ. Now we have all been brought in. How many know that we who were not a people and were aliens to the commonwealth of Israel are now because of Jesus a part of the same lump, the same family? How many know we're all the body of Christ. We're all part of God's family. Somebody say amen. So Pentecost began as a feast. And what we see happening in Acts chapter 2 when it says the day of Pentecost was fully come, it's, it's, a, it's a statement that describes the, the, the cumulative years of Pentecost that had been happening throughout the Old Covenant all the way up until Acts chapter 2. They were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost every year. Every year they celebrated it. They celebrated it not knowing that what they were celebrating was a type and a shadow of the real thing that was to come and the real thing, the manifestation that God had in mind when he began it 2,000, or pardon me, thousands of years before. That manifestation is now happening here in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost had fully come when every year they had practiced it by faith now they were standing in the middle of what God intended to do from the very beginning that moment is upon us in Acts chapter 2 it's the accumulation of it all it's been building for thousands of years and when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all in one place in one mind and suddenly there came a sound from heaven Pentecost was a feast. Not only was Pentecost a feast, Pentecost was the fulfillment of a promise. How many know that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 26? He said the helper. He did not say the holy doer. He said the holy helper will come. My Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you all things and remind you of the things that I have spoken. This is found in John 14. I want to raise for your consideration that he is not the doer. He is the helper. Y'all not helping nobody on Sunday morning. But the Holy Ghost will not come and do something that he's anointed you to do. You cannot sit on your couch in Christianity all of your life flipping through the episodes of Christianity and telling everybody, I'm waiting on God. God, is, God said, I'm, I'm waiting on somebody who will go do what I said to do, and that is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, cast out devils, trample on serpents, speak in other tongues, heal the sick, raise the dead, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to tell you he's the holy helper. He's not the holy doer. He will help you. He will work with you, but you and I got to do some work. Oh, this is not, uh, this is not going like I thought. Okay, the, it's a, it, Pentecost was a fulfillment of a promise. Jesus said the Holy Ghost is coming. The Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you. Have you ever met people who acted like the Holy Ghost was an option? Those people can remain in a high level of ignorance all of their life because if you don't like the Holy Ghost, you don't have a teacher. It is the Holy Ghost that will crack the book called the Bible, take you back to school, open up Genesis through Revelation and reveal the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't need less teaching. We need more teaching from the Holy Ghost. 
And I'm going to blow your minds. But the Bible said not only will he teach you, he will remind you. Aren't you thankful you got a Holy Ghost reminder? Have you ever been in a battle and forgot something and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost will run back through the foul cabinet of your mind, grab something you forgot about, grab a promise you gave up on, and God will remind you of everything that he said to you. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. When spiritual amnesia tries to creep up on me, it is the Holy Ghost that says to the devil, you cannot have his future. I gave him a promise and if I'm reminded of the promise, faith rises up on the inside and I have hope for tomorrow. Thankful for the Holy Ghost. Pentecost was a feast. Pentecost was the fulfillment of a promise. Not only did Jesus promise the Holy Ghost in John 14, Joel prophesied and promised the Holy Ghost in Joel chapter 2. He said, your sons and daughters will be, baptized, will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and the Bible said that, that, the, that the daughters and the handmaidens would receive it. He said, upon all flesh. All, you hear what I'm telling you? All flesh. And I'm talking about red and yellow and black and white and whatever other color they want to come up with and talk about. I'm telling you right now, every hue of our skin is included in the promise. Y'all better help me preach right here of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It is not only a multicultural outpouring, it is a multi-generational outpouring. He said, sons and daughters, old men will dream dreams, young men will see I'm going to preach in here at 12 o'clock because I want the devil to know this house still believes that there is not one generation that will be left out. There is not one people group that will be exempt on every continent, in every area code, in every time zone, in every village, every hut, every hamlet, every city, every continent, every state of the union. I came to announce that what God announced he would do, he is doing and those that are hungry will not miss the outpouring of this Holy Spirit I'm talking about. The Holy Ghost is no respecter of gender. Good preaching, Wallace. And let me help you, there ain't but two of them. Facebook has 27 pronouns. God has two. And I want to tell you right now, I'm going to stick with the book and I'm going to stick with the Bible and I'm going to stick with the God who wrote the Bible. And what I want to preach is that men and women are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Sons and daughters are getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Y'all don't have to say amen, but I'm telling you, God will use women to preach. He will raise up women to prophesy. Well, I was raised different. Well, thank God for how you was raised, but welcome to the truth. God is not going to consult all of those deacons that told you God don't use women. God said, I'll use anything I want to use. I'll raise up sons and daughters. They will prophesy in my name. Koyamasha. But I didn't come to preach that. Pentecost was the fulfillment of a promise. Pentecost was a feast and Pentecost was an outpouring of power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus himself instructed the disciples to wait and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. How in the world can we do what Jesus was doing without the power he did? He had to make it happen. You, you got to have the power. Let me teach here for a moment. Pentecost was necessary. Pentecost was a mandate, not an option for the disciples. Whatever we are going to do, we have to do it the way he did it. Whatever we are going to build, we have to build what Jesus was building. The disciples never believed that they were called to do something different than what Jesus was doing. They saw themselves as appointed and ordained to continue the ministry that Christ had initiated and begun. We find this in Matthew's gospel, the 28th chapter, the 9th and the 10th verse in the Great Commission where Jesus looks at his disciples and says, go into all the world, preach the, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Make disciples of all nations. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. They heard this Great Commission 
and they saw themselves as con merely continuing what Jesus had started. But if Pentecost teaches us anything, it is that the body of Christ needs the same Holy Ghost that Jesus operated in while he was on this planet. Oh, Lord. I want to break this down and teach for a moment because uh, some of us are not aware of these things. I think it's very important to inform you and acquaint you with the historicity of the church and how we got to where we are in some places of the church. When, let, let, let me just, uh, I, you know, I'm breathing fire, my head's sweating and all this, but I need to get this out. When you see the miracles, the manifestations, the signs and the wonders that Jesus did, you may be tempted to believe that Christ performed all that he did by his divine nature. I'm going to teach right here. I'm going to teach right here because people sometimes don't understand that Jesus had two natures. He had divine nature because he was all God. He had human nature because he was all man. He did not cease to be God because he was man, and he never ceased to be a man simply because he was God. We call this the hypostatic union of Christ. Oh, Lord, I'm freaking y'all out here. The hypostatic union of Christ is that two natures dwelt in the same man. Come on, I'm teaching you something right here. Everybody say hypostatic union. Hypostatic union means that he was fully divine and fully human all simultaneously. When you see the miracles that Christ did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you might be tempted to believe that he healed people simply because he was God. I want to tell you that he was completely and totally God. But he never used the privilege of his divine nature as a means to work the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. How then did he heal the sick? The Bible tells us how he was anointed by the Holy Ghost to perform the miracles. I hope you're catching what I'm saying. He did not raise Lazarus from the dead simply because he was God. He raised Lazarus from the dead because the Holy Ghost got on him and worked through Christ to bring the dead body of Lazarus up from the grave. Well, what is the big deal? Here's the big deal. When we preach, and it was preached for hundreds of years, when we preach that Christ worked miracles simply because he had a divine nature, then we disregard and undervalue the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. And the Gospels never bear out a Christ who did things simply because he was God. They reveal a Christ who continually prayed to the Father and the Father continually sent the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost was on him everywhere he went so that when he went into a funeral parlor, he put the pallbearers and the undertaker out of business and he raised up the dead body of every boy and girl that they ever brought to him. Why? Was it because he was God? No. Was he God? Yes. But what caused him to heal the sick was not just his title. It was the anointing from the Holy Ghost that was on the body of Christ. Why do I preach this? Because hundreds of years of theology that taught us he could heal because he was divine. He healed. I'm going to tell you why he healed. The Bible tells us how he healed. He healed because he said in Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, listen, the spirit of the Lord is up on me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. In other words, I'm not just coming in my title to do ministry in my name. I'm 
becoming submitted to the Father, empowered by the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching this. Here's why. Because hundreds of years of church theology taught us Jesus healed because he was divine. But a correction was needed, and I'm thankful that it came because Jesus did not just heal the lame because he was God, although he was God. Jesus healed the lame because he was a son submitted to the Father, anointed by the Holy Ghost, which is good news for the body of Christ today, that if the Holy Ghost would come upon Jesus and would touch Jesus and anoint Jesus, that same Holy Ghost is resting on the body of Christ today. And I know some of y'all are like, oh, that's a little different than what I was taught. That's because our theology, have you ever, oh Lord, here we go. Do not clip this without clipping all of it. Because I get people, they take one phrase out of context and they say, oh, Wallace is a heretic. No, I'm not a heretic, shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding, don't shut up. Just be quiet, okay? <laughs> Listen. If, have you ever noticed people are willing to talk about God? There's even a lot of people willing to talk about Jesus. But have you ever seen people draw up when you start talking about the Holy Ghost? We act like the Holy Ghost is a flavor on top of ice cream, like a topping. I don't, I don't like sprinkles, you know, I don't like chocolate, I don't like, I don't like uh, sauce, I, I just like, I don't like Christianity with all that, just give me vanilla. I don't, I don't know about them tongues, That's just, I don't know about healings and prophecy and prayer lines, I just want to go to heaven. And the Lord says, the Holy Ghost is not a topping for your ice cream. When this permeated the church, it set a trajectory of theological thought that caused people to be able to talk about Jesus and preach Jesus, but they didn't talk about the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and the Son. That's good preaching and doctrine right there. And any disregard you have for the Holy Spirit or undervaluing you, ha undervaluing you have of the Holy Spirit is a result of error that was presented to you from people who were nervous about losing control. Gigi, I just said something right there. Most people who don't talk about the Holy Ghost want to stay in control. Most people who don't talk about the Holy Ghost don't want things to get out of hand. Well, let me help you, Brother Ye Ye. They're already out of hand. The world needs not more religion. The world needs the Holy Ghost. The world needs an outpouring. Hey! The world needs the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You are not going to knock the rebellion out of the rebellious with a cute presentation that is locked up with church in a box for 47 minutes on Sunday morning and get them in, take their money, hurry them out before any demons manifest. No, you better mark my word. There's about to be more demonic manifestation. There's about to be an increase of darkness. There's about to be more problems than you've ever dealt with. And it's not going to be solved with our cute little Christianity in a bottle. It's only going to be solved when the Holy Ghost who knows the end from the beginning starts talking to the, to the leaders again and the leaders start making room for the Holy Ghost and start asking the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I feel like I hear the Holy Ghost saying, pardon me, church world. I would like my church back. I want my church back. I want my church. Oh, I felt that on my... I hear the Holy Ghost saying, I want my church back. If I don't say anything else you hear, I hope you hear me tell you the Holy Ghost wants his church back. He wants it back. 
if you think Jesus only healed because he was God, then you won't go do ministry because you'll start saying correctly so, you will start saying, I'm not God. Come on, inform your neighbor. It might offend them and wake them up, but tell your neighbor, neighbor, I love you. Come on, tell them, tell them I love you, but you're not God. But I got news for you. You don't have to be God. Oh, come on, look back at that neighbor, tell them you don't have to be God. You don't have to play God. You don't have to act like you're God. What you gotta do is say, I can't do anything without him, but I'm asking you to land on my life. I feel like preaching. When did the Holy Ghost land on Jesus? Uh, let, for that list, pause, time out. Let, let, me talk about, let me talk about when that happened because it's important for you to understand this. Let, let, me, uh, let me introduce to some of us the concept, a theological concept that we call the law of first mention. Uh -huh, the law, everyone say the law of first mention. I'm going to raise this for your consideration because it is important for you and I to know that what we read in John chapter one today, when the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove came and sat on him and remained. You need to understand that that is not the first time a dove was mentioned in the Bible. And the law of first mention uh, teaches us that when you see something the first time in Scripture, pay very careful attention to it because it often has a way of prophetically announcing the relevancy of that object, that number, that color, that person throughout the rest of Scripture. In this case, we're going to talk about the law of first mention regarding an animal. I could talk about many animals that, that are revealed in the first place that sort of send a prophetic trajectory for that same animal throughout scripture. For instance, the snake. In Genesis chapter three, he's a snake. If you follow the snake all the way through the scriptures, he winds up in Revelation chapter 12. The problem is in Revelation chapter 12, he's not a snake on his belly, he's a dragon trying to kill people. Somebody's been feeding the snake. I could talk about the lamb. The lamb is first introduced in Exodus as the Passover means by which people of God were delivered from the killer and were brought into freedom from Egyptian bondage. If you follow the concept of the lamb from Genesis to the New Testament, you will see that when we come to the New Testament, the lamb, it's not the first time the lamb was mentioned. The first time the lamb was mentioned was in Exodus and the blood of the lamb became the way that the people of God came out of bondage into freedom. But the next time you see the lamb show up, uh -huh, there's a, lamb, a ram caught in a thicket and it's continually pointing back to the provision of God who would give his son. And I'm glad that it didn't stop in Genesis. It happened all the way over in the new covenant when a man named John the Immerser is baptizing people in the river Jordan. Jesus comes walking up onto the scene and when John sounded Yashaba, when John sees Jesus walking up on the scene, he stops the baptism service and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. It's the law of first mention. Well, if you want to understand why I'm preaching about the dove, you got to go back to Genesis 8. In Genesis 8, there's an issue happening here. We have had 40 days and nights of rain and flood. The earth opened up and water came up from the depths. The skies opened up and water fell from the sky. Water submerged the entire world. World. Everything, all living flesh, every plant life, every animal life, all of it, except what got in the boat, all of it died. Why? Because Genesis chapter 5, the Bible said that the thought of every man was continually evil and they hardened their heart and they resisted the goodness of God. And God said, I repent that I ever made man and I'm going to wipe man off the face of the planet and I'm going to start all over again. And when it looked like humanity would have lost its place, the Bible 
Bible said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah got instructions nobody else did. He built a boat to the saving of his house. The Bible said he put his house in the boat. He put two of every kind of animal in the boat. He took a little bit of every plant. He took a little bit of all this and he put it in a boat God told him to build. He built it and for 40 days and nights it rained. It rained until everything died. It rained until God purged the earth of evil. It rained until God got rid of every thought of evil that was continually running through the mind of a man. It rained until God got rid of it all. And after 40 days and 40 nights, the rain ceased. And your Bible says this, the Ruach of God started blowing on the judgment waters. I'm not preaching on this, but I felt like I would help somebody and tell you today if you made a mess and if the waters of judgment are all around you, you just need to hold on till the Holy Ghost begins to breathe on you. He will drive back the judgment waters. I'm not talking about a mess the devil made. I'm talking about a mess we make. God will drive back the judgment waters and he will breathe on us again somebody say yes but I digress after 40 days and 40 nights God sends out a raven and the raven goes to and fro circling above he never comes back to Noah and so God takes a dove because you know a raven can feast on dead things But a dove, it won't land on death. Oh no. So he sends out the dove and the dove comes back because the Bible says she could find no place to rest her feet. So he sends, he waits seven days and he sends out the dove again. And the dove comes back the second time with an olive branch in its mouth. He could have come back with any old kind of branch but he came back with the olive branch. Do you know why that blessed me? Because you can't get oil without an olive. <laughs> and after the rain and the flood, you don't need some cute sermonette, you need some oil. And he came back, I, think, I felt like what the dove was saying is Noah, everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, it's going to grow again. The oil's going to flow again. It's going to produce again. Yeah, I know it's been 40 days. It's been five years. It's been 10 years of hell on earth. But I came today to tell you the Holy Ghost has an olive branch and he's telling you everything's going to be all right. There's still oil for your house. There's still oil for your marriage. There's still oil for your children. The devil wants you to think you're going to die, but you didn't sink and you're still alive. And I think we ought to give God praise that God still has a future. Watch this, watch this. I'm wrapping up, watch this. Watch this. The dove, he waited seven days. So it went out once, nothing. Second time, he sends it out, brings it back, comes back with the olive branch. Noah waits seven more days, releases the dove again. This is all found in Genesis chapter eight. He releases the dove again, and it never came back. And you might say, how sad. The dove never came back but I'm blessed. The reason the dove did not return is because the dove found a place to rest. Where did, oh, that sounded like a firework going off. Where did the dove find a place to, I'm so glad you asked. He left in Genesis, but you got to follow him through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song, Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Obadiah. And he ends with Malachi. And I kept on looking. Where did the dove land? Where did the dove land? And he lands in John chapter one. When a man born of a virgin who came through 40 and two generations come up out of the waters of the chilly Jordan River. When his head came up out of the water, the Bible said the heavens split open and the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove 
fell down on the body of Jesus Christ. And this is what I want you to see. Not only did he touch down, he stayed around. The Bible said he remained for a while. Oh, let me preach right here. Because I found a lot of churches that like for him to touch down on Sunday. But they don't like for him to hang around Monday through Saturday. We want a touchdown, Holy Ghost, that makes us feel good on Sunday. Blesses us with chill bumps on Sunday. But then on Monday, we want to lie, cheat, lust, act a fool, and go crazy. I wish somebody would start living like there's a dove that landed on your shoulder and you don't want him to run away. I think we need to live more with the dove in mind. I think we need to do what Jesus did so that we can have who Jesus had. Jesus had the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost stayed on Jesus. The Holy Spirit remained on Christ. He touched down. He came and landed on the body of Jesus. After Jesus died and was resurrected, he became Jesus Christ. That was not his last name. You know, like Kevin Wallace, Jesus Christ. No, that's not what that is. Jesus Christ was an announcement of what he had on him and who was working through him. Jesus, the anointed one. There is a difference between Samuel and Samuel who is under the anointing. There is a difference between Carrie and Carrie who has the anointing. You're not Carrie Christ, but you are Carrie the anointed one. Somebody like, are you saying he's Jesus? No, I'm telling you the same Holy Ghost that anointed Jesus is the same Holy Ghost. Y'all don't hear what I'm teaching. We act like we got a kindergarten Holy Ghost and we are not living in kindergarten darkness. We don't need less Holy Ghost. We need So can we just, can we just not do all that, Pastor? Can we just have a good community church? No. Because there's some stuff the devil has planted that needs to be blown up. There, is some, there are some weapons that are coming against families. They don't need some cute little kumbaya Jesus in a box experience. They need the dove to land. They need the dove to rest on them. I don't. So while you're preaching this message, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I am inciting you to holy hunger. Don't diss the dove. What does that mean? Don't diss the dove. That means when he starts moving, Paul said it like this, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Or in one translation, it said, don't put out the Spirit's fire. When the dove lands, everything else in life takes a second seat. When the dove lands, honor him like you want him to stay a while. You know we'll keep ourselves out of trouble if we let the Holy Ghost land on us and stay around a while. When you say Holy Ghost, it makes me feel so weird because religion got you bit. I don't care if you say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. He is the helper. Let me tell you what the Bible calls him. The, the comforter, the helper, the teacher, He'll strengthen you. He will be with you and never leave you. It calls him the spirit of truth. There is no lie or error in him. That's just the six I remember off the top of my mind because he reminded me because he's the helper, number seven. Thank you, Lord. That's all I remembered that he reminded me of. But just those seven alone make me want to say to people who don't believe in the Holy Spirit, why would you not want the Holy Ghost? See, people go into ice cream shop. This is what the Lord showed me in prayer. People treat the Holy Spirit like an option. So we go, we go into an ice cream shop. I like ice cream. I know you can't tell, but I like ice cream. And when I go in to get ice cream, I like some. You know, Devin got us on this fast, so I hadn't done this in 20-something days now. So I'm half bitter, but I'm getting a breakthrough. Israel's going to be delivered. Hallelujah. But you go into this, 
You go into this ice cream place and you say, oh, you put some Reese's Pieces on it, put some cookies on top and drizzle some stuff on that, yes. And she says, we have this new thing. Do you want this, uh, the, what was that? It, it was the, uh, oh, gummy bears. Oh, I said, oh, no. I don't want no gummy bears. Are you sure? It's the flavor of the month. I don't care what it is. I don't want no gummy bears. If I want a gummy bear, I'll go get a gummy bear. I came for a Sunday. Give me a Sunday. That's how we treat God's Holy Spirit. We come to church on Sunday and we start putting our Sunday together. Y'all missed it. We start putting our Sunday together. You know, our Sunday, our, our 10 to 12 Sunday. We start putting our Sunday together. Oh, I want a little bit of this. I'll take a little prophecy because a little prophecy never hurt nobody. I'll take a little prayer for the sick because a little prayer for the sick never. And then Devin or I or someone starts saying, I need people to pray in the Holy Ghost. People. Is he talking about tongues? Is he talking about tongues? I am talking about tongues. I am talking about tongues that you don't understand. I am talking about tongues that did not originate in the mind of a man. I am talking about the Holy Ghost breathing and birthing something in your life that will pray for you, through you. And somebody said, why would I ever need that? Because you've got demonic powers that are sitting there listening to what's happening in your life. And every time the enemy hears another prophecy over you, the enemy puts something in motion to withstand the promise from coming to pass. But I got good news for you on Pentecost Sunday. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost and give you a language to pray in that every demon can call another demon and say, get over here and tell me what language they're talking in. And the demon shows up to tap into what's happening, but the demon can't break in to what God is saying. And you start praying in a tongue. You start praying in a tongue that the devil don't know how to interpret and by the time you come out of that prayer closet, half things have been brought down, strongholds have been destroyed. I'm telling you, you better learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. When the dove lands on your shoulder, don't diss the dove. Don't say, I've never been raised like this before. I've never done it. I call my Hadiyah, my Shia. I'm telling you what you ought to do. You ought to let the river flow. You ought to let the fire burn. You ought to let the power of God seize your life. Somebody throw up your hands and paint a landing strip for the dove to land on by giving God your very best praise on Pentecost Sunday. I know it's Memorial Day weekend. I honor those who died to protect our freedom. But what if this Memorial Day, the memory of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was the thing that caused God? I need somebody to praise him for 30 straight seconds. I need some young people to hallel. I need somebody to shabak. Hey, I need somebody to tauda. I need somebody to tahila. I need somebody to yada. I need somebody to hallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I praising him at 12:30? You are painting a land. You are painting a landing strip. The dove is about to land on your house. The dove is about to land on your children. The dove. The dove is about to land on your physical body. Somebody's body just got healed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Jeremiah Warren. Start yourself a Holy Ghost praise party. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Somebody bless him and the dove will rest on you. Somebody praise him and the dove will rest on your house. Curses are about to be broken. Blessing is about to be released. Houses are about to be blessed. Somebody shout yes. Somebody shout yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch three people right now and tell them don't diss the dove. I know we got plans, but don't diss the dove. I know we got stuff on our calendar, but don't diss the dove. If you'll let the dove come, he'll rest on you. If he ever rests on you, he'll... 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm reminded of John's gospel, the second chapter. Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem. When he went into the temple in Jerusalem, he saw that the people were making merchandise out of all of the sacrifices. They had some sheep and they had some oxen and they had all these animals for sale. And Jesus watched them as they were making merchandise of all the stuff in the temple. And he stood there long enough until he made himself a whip. Y'all don't want me to preach on this. When he got through wielding the whip, he went over to where the doves were being sold. And the Bible said, tradition tells us, he turned the tables over, he cracked the whip, and he loosed the dove from the cage it was flying in. I came to I came to announce on Memorial Day weekend that in Chattanooga, the Lord is saying, turn the tables over. Let the dove be released. Let the dove be released. Religion wants to silence the dove. Religion wants to cage the dove. But I'm looking for somebody who wants the dove to be released. Let out of praise. Hallelujah. We're going, but look at your neighbor and say, Hey, neighbor, don't. This, the dove. Next Sunday, don't diss the dove. Next Wednesday, don't diss the dove. When you get in the car and have the lunch today, don't diss the dove. Let the river of living water, yeah, 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 by my side. Let the river of living water just keep on flowing. 
20 second freeze break. One, two, three, go. Everything that has breath, praise you the Lord. Oh, come on, tell your mama. Stay right there. I don't get to do this every Sunday, but if you want to be refilled or filled for the first time with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to run to the altar right now. I'm talking about get here now. If you don't have the baptism, get here. If you haven't, you want a fresh anointing, get here. Just to lift your voice and just begin to pray. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. How? How? Hallelujah! Hey, family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church, maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I wanna tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now, if you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done, and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to Him, He'll save you right now. I wanna lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the King of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ. And our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.